Hey, how's it going? Today is Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. Welcome to the podcast. Stayed up late last night, watched that Fish concert. They've been airing these free concerts during the pandemic. Replays of old shows. I enjoy the couch concert, as I've mentioned in the past. It was a good night. But I know not everyone likes that 90s jam band Fish. My wife being one of the haters. She's gone to a couple shows with me, and truth be told, she does dig a couple cuts mostly off of the Farmhouse album. But on the whole, she's had some pretty bad times at Fish shows with me. The one time after the show was over, I said, what did you think? And she had a very curious response. She said that she felt sorry for the band Fish, that they would have to pack up their gear and go to another town tomorrow night and play this same sort of music. She felt sorry for the fate that this band had. And she was grateful that she, on the other hand, would be allowed to go to her pharmaceutical job tomorrow morning. She felt that <laughs> another fish show having to perform those songs was by far the worst fate. I've played fish in school before for students, and uh, a few of them have even gotten sick. They've gotten ill during one of the 12 minute guitar solos. Guitar solo 7C. I've had to write passes for them to go down to the nurse. If it's a big group, I'll even have to call ahead. I'll be like, uh, yeah, uh, nurse, anticipate a number of my students coming to... Yes, I was playing fish again. Yes. So anticipate a bit of a backlog down there. At a concert a couple weeks ago, uh, they had on stage a woman doing sign language, signing the lyrics of Fish songs to uh, their deaf audience or hard of hearing audience. And uh, my buddy who was watching it simultaneously, because uh, we geek out a little bit in that way, in that music way, um, commented that the person signing the lyrics must be very bored. Very bored. If you don't know the general song structure of a Fish song, it's about seven words, and then they launch into an 87-minute guitar solo. That's more or less the narrative arc of a Fish song. So she would be extremely bored with her arms slack by her side. But I don't think their song's about nothing, these songs. I do think they have a message, although Trey, eh, his lyrics can be a little on the corny side occasionally. But on the whole, I'm a fan. Um, but the item that I've noticed with them is that they relate well and connect to another 90s big hit, the show Seinfeld. Which, and I'll talk through that ping the show Seinfeld, a show about nothing, a band about nothing. Not a lot of a, a lot of improv. This was the 90s. Sort of carefree, wasn't it? Irony became the thing. It ushered out, out Cheers, the last straight-ahead non-ironic comedy. 
That was just set him up, knock him down humor. The writer Kurt Vonnegut said if he wished he had written anything, it would have been Cheers, Cheers episodes. So I've been going back and studying some of those episodes during the pandemic. Dancing, quite the fashion plate. Taking some tips from dancing slacks. It's probably harder to write non-ironic jokes, I would think. And that's it, getting through quarantine life, moving into yellow, right? Uh, when it started, everyone was walking around the neighborhood. Your neighborhoods were probably the same way. I was seeing dogs that I've never seen before in my life. People coming out of the woodwork, these trolls and goblins that were previously living under a bridge were now walking around. I feel like they've given that up now. The non-walkers that were trying it out, most of them have quit. Most of them have dialed back their walking. I do feel like they're posers. Like, I've been here since 97 walking with my Salconis on. Salconis. Where were you? Where were you then? My wife and I walked to the McDonald's uh, because it was closed, but it's, it's closed. So we ended up walking through the drive-thru. Have you ever done that experience? I felt like a French mime mimicking the square footage of my car that wasn't there. My invisible car, as we stood in the drive-in line and inched up a little bit. And the cool thing was, the other cars in line respected my psychological distance. They also saw the mime car that surrounded me and gave me space. And then the intercom didn't go off. And first of all, if you're judging me about eating McDonald's, um, as my wife will say, we only eat breakfast there. We only occasionally get breakfast there. This is our McDonald's defense. As if you're on some moral high ground that you're eating the Egg McMuffin and not the Quarter Pounder. No, no, we just, no, we don't. No, we don't. It's just sometimes we will get the Egg McMuffin. So the intercom did not acknowledge that we were in line and we said, hello, hello, nothing. So we went up to the window and we said, oh, you know, I guess it didn't work because you have to be like a certain weight, like the cars have a certain weight and maybe they trip a little on switch so people know in the inside that you're waiting uh, to be to place your order. And I said, I guess we didn't weigh enough. And the McDonald's employee looked at the two of us like, yeah, I guess not. Like we were very close to the same weight as a Honda Civic. He was like, mm-hmm. Now I guess I guess it didn't trip off. That's right. Not heavy enough. So it was a little insulting. And eating there is not going to help uh, to not become the weight of a Honda Civic. I just want to be the weight of a Honda Civic Sport. Something lighter. I was at my mom's the other day watching Prices. Right. That's a nice. That's a nice afternoon thing to do. Uh, she's not, she's not really that into the coronavirus. Do you know anyone who's has not like heard of the coronavirus? That's who I would like to hang out. They're like, what? Who? Date afternoon TV. The price is right. I bid 700. I bid 701. Like, man, you can't do that. I always thought that that was the rawest deal that you could bid $1 ahead of someone and just ace them out in that way. I felt like they should have built a little, uh, rule in there to avoid that betting loophole. On afternoon television, I like the ad for 
get a, a lawyer that will get you out of your timeshare commitment. I think that's uh, that's what I was born to do. I felt like a connection. Like some boys wanted to be policemen growing up. Some wanted to be firemen. Some astronauts. I had an urge to get people out of their timeshare commitment. It just it felt right to me. Even growing up, I would explain to kids how we have seasons and quadrants. And you can get certain points staying in certain places. I always had a passion for that. You know that if you grew up around me. Are you racking up a lot of dishes during this pandemic, during this code yellow pandemic? So many dishes in the dishwasher. And then I'll grab something and my wife will say, that doesn't go in the dishwasher. And I think, well, then don't buy it. Well, then, then we should not own it if it can't handle the dishwasher. Simplicity, man. Don't make things more complicated. And then during this pandemic downtime, really started getting into Civil War history. I read the fantastic book about Gettysburg called The Killer Angels, a non- uh, how would you describe it? Uh, narrative fiction or historical fiction is the phrase I'm looking for, and I, which was excellent. And I started the next one called Gods and Generals, which focuses on other Civil War battles and skirmishes using that same format. How about these people that go to these Civil War reenactments? What is that? Is there like a scene afterwards, like an after part? What are you doing after? <laughs> What's going on after the reenactment? I don't know. That that seemed that seemed funnier on paper. But it's been fun. A deep dive into the Civil War. There I then I looked up what was the shortest war? It was 38 minutes. I'd like to become a history buff in that war. I forget the uh the participants, but it was 38 minutes long, the shortest war. I just become the the ultimate historian on that war. An inch wide and a mile deep. My research will go into those 38 minutes. The Advertising Podcast, this podcast advertisement, is being sponsored by Integrity Wealth Management. They can help you with portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning, and services, life insurance, and wealth preservation strategies. Please call them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagement.com. Dot com. Yes. Um, I feel sorry for potheads because the two hardest words to spell are reggae and marijuana. That's just a, that's just a little standalone, little standalone bit. I hate at work, and boy, the physical building is really fading, isn't it? In existence, uh, in my memory, since I've been zooming, zooming work for months now. Uh, but when you're in the building and someone has to fix or help you with a computer issue and you have to give over your password, they're like, okay, and then just, so now what's your password? Just let me type it in while I'm here. I'm always like, ah, ah, let me get, let me get that computer back up, up, I, you don't need to hear it. It's stupid. It doesn't even, it doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Just give me my computer back. But I have some computer skills. I have computer skills because as a boy, uh, compute, uh, the Atari was the, uh, was the predominant board uh, video game, the 2600, but I received the 400 for Christmas. This was an advanced model with a little type pad on it. 
it allowed one to type. My parents invested a little more in my future as they anticipated the tech technology boom. So I had the 400, which was a type pad. But in reality, I actually wanted the dumber down version. I wanted the, the one that came with Pitfall. The mindless and endless Pitfall. That's what I wanted. So I did get that the following Christmas. It did work out. But it's, uh, it's something, those games. They're a real nostalgia trip. I remember track and, no, decathlon it was called, where you just had the joystick and the red button, and you would wiggle that button. It was exhausting and so stressful. And I remember blisters on my hand. Wouldn't wiggle the button, you wiggled the joystick. The wiggle stick. In an, in an act that wasn't completely wasn't completely wholesome, which you'd play that game. Um, and it would, yeah, it ripped apart our hands. I remember taking the rubber gripping off of the joystick because there was a rumor that you could run faster in decathlon in the hundred yard dash if you removed the rubber gripping. So all of our joysticks were stripped bare down to the white plastic nub to get a couple milliseconds of speed in the hurdles. So I think that Atari 400 is what gave me the head start today. Explains my future success. That tight pad. So I have been playing some video games again. Got Sony PlayStation 4, this game Red Dead Redemption 2, which is unbelievable. My goodness, the world has changed, hasn't it, in the terms of video games. This thing is unbelievable. The graphics, the storyline, the everything. So I've been living, yes, in just like 18, 1840. This is the, the spring of 18, 1860. Very Civil War and out west. That's where my head has been. But I've, you know, because I'm kind of into history, I can help my daughter with her history stuff. And uh, one of the, a giant blind spot I realized that uh, she didn't understand is that when Columbus, Columbus, we'll say landed on America, not discovered, right? And we'll get into some, some more current events in a minute. Uh, Columbus landed on America and mistook the Native Americans, the people there, that were on the land as Indians, or mistakenly called them Indians, he believing they were from India, my daughter thought the same thing. She made the same mistake as Columbus. She said, oh, I thought they were from India, the people that first occupied North America. I said, Mike, have we not, have the history teachers not learned anything in this time period? I'm only kidding. But I found it as odd that not only did she not know that, my older sister, who wasn't even paying attention, kind of piped in and said, oh, really? I thought they were from India as well. How did this massive, massive piece of information get missed on both of my girls? And how out of context must history seem under this misunderstanding? Everything going forward has to be skewed. And there is a kid from India, from that region, in her class, in my daughter's class, and he was also misunderstood the origin stories of the United States. Also believed that his people were integral in early American history and warred with settlers. And he was walking around with a little pop in his step, this gentleman from India. <laughs> 
So it's just, I implore you, history teachers, in September, write a little note to yourselves to just brush up, just brush up again on the original inhabitants of North America with both of my children, please. They're a little foggy with some of the details. Drinking a water. History, origin, who's original, who should be here, who shouldn't, where'd you come from, where'd you go, immigration, natural law, life, a lot of civilization, a lot of these topics swirling about. There's another death of a black man um, and another controversy with the police department. Um, not too much to say on that, but I have a lot of opinions on that. Uh, but I'm not going to air too many of them here. I will say it's Black Lives Matter, the phrase, for me anyway. And, um, you know, some, some white people will come up and, and want to talk smack, want to trash another race. And I'm just always like, dude, you got to understand. I like some of my black friends much better than I like you. Much better. So you just need, go ahead, say the thing you're going to say, but you need to know the context in which you're saying it. And then I'll get chippy. I'll buck back. I stand up. It's a BML, man. I hope we move forward. I think I'm seeing maybe a little hope. We'll see. And that's, and it's been a weird 2020. This pandemic, I mean, it's it's kind of, I can't say I'm completely not enjoying it. Is it better than our trip to Paris? I don't know. Toss up. Toss up. I found that a lot of men are enjoying the pandemic, more so than women. Men that previously were pulled to every christening, first holy communion, all these ceremonies ruining the, the time, those precious two days of a weekend. Now they're doubling down into their true selves, aren't we men? Our true hobbies. I've seen men discover hiking, golfing again, mountain biking. We're doing what we should do. We're not at little Susie's seventh christening. I have a lot of Italian friends. Italian friends. I feel like they're always complaining about going to another christening. Are we done with all that now? When we move to green, are you going to go to christenings again? I don't know if I will. I might be out. I might be mountain biking that day. Rise up, man. Take your post-pandemic lives back. I do feel vindicated. I feel like a lot of my philosophy has been stoicism and minimalism, and uh, it served me very well over these past three months. If anything, I've doubled down even more. On those ideas. Um, yeah, I don't know. We might, might be wrapping things up. Might be almost over. The pandemic does make me a little bit want to move into the suburbs even deeper. I know I'm in the third ring. I guess the fourth ring now. Somewhere with like a pool and, and land to really, uh, you know, grow some crops 
I think it does bring back sort of this primal urge to get the hell away from people. But I don't know, man. I've seen what happens to neighbors that have moved into that fourth ring, the deepest ring. I feel they are a little desperate when you drop their kid off for conversation. They both, the husband and wife, will both come to the foyer. As if to say, how is it out there? Give us the news from beyond the wall. <laughs> what is happening back in the third ring? Looking back, wistfully. I was checking out Google Maps. I, uh, I searched my own address, and I'm on the Google Street View. There's a picture of me. I'm futzing around with my keys, standing next to my car. Head down, futzing around with my keys in my pockets. I'm on Google Street View. Check that off my bucket list. I was so happy to see myself. So I do. I go on Street View. I look at different places. Pretend I'm there. Go on Facebook. If I realize if I am ever given, if I ever get the terminal cancer, the cancers. If the doctor comes out and he's like, you have the, the cancers, I'm like, S? Plural cancers? He'd be like, you have all the cancers. I'd be like, is that bad? That sounds really bad. But if I ever got all the cancers, I would just rip into people on Facebook. That's how I would live my remaining days, being spiteful and vengeful and ripping into everyone. I like how the name Peggy is a nickname for Margaret. I think that's nice. I can't in my mind make any connection how the former relates to the latter, and that's what makes it all the more mystical and interesting. Going to wrap it up. Uh, no summer plans, which is kind of nice, like I said. Uh, no vacation. little bum. We were going to go to Croatia, which if you're a Game of Thrones fan, uh, a lot of it was filmed there, specifically this town called Dubrovnik, which is where we were going to go, but no more. No more. But that's okay. We were watching uh, old vacation videos, maybe to stoke that fire. And one time we went to the Grand Canyon on a rafting trip down the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it was as cool as it sounds. Two nights camping on the banks of the Colorado. Um, and the canyon guide said, now listen, we can't pack a lot of food, so nobody's going to go hungry. But if you could manage, just don't be a pig about things, right? You don't need to eat everything because we only have two days worth of food. So get your fill, but within reason. And the first lunch break occurred, and I went to fix myself a sandwich. And I heard murmuring from the other side of the uh, kind of campfire of the break point over there. And it was a couple of women were murmuring. They said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Three pieces of bread. Who the hell puts three pieces of bread on a sandwich? And I started to get uh, angry as well and annoyed. I thought, yeah, who the hell would take these limited supplies that we have and be such a pig? Why can't people share? Why are people so greedy? And then I looked down at my own sandwich, and it was me that had the third slice of bread. It had stuck to the bottom slice, and that Arizona heat had since opened up the sandwich more, and I saw with horror that I was the owner of the three-slice sandwich. So, that's my lesson to you as I sign off. Before you're quick to judge someone, consider if you have a three-slice sandwich. Good day, sir.